The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Jr. Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. And we are live. Welcome to episode 31 of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Folico, Director of Game Day Operations and Community Relations with the Brandon Wheat Kings, but also on-air announcer with Star FM and Q Country, the official home of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. You know you can catch up on all previous 30 episodes online at qcountryfm.ca, uh, as well as the Westman News Update Podcast, always popular, but go and check that out. Joined, as always, co-host Brandon Crow. Crow, how are you tonight, bud? Uh, I'm good. You know, it was it was nice uh, to get back into the swing of things. I, I just came off my 14 day quarantine uh, after going to Toronto to officiate a wedding. So today was my first day of freedom. I, I went to the store. I went to the hardware store. I went to work at the golf course. I basically just went to every place around town just to see people and walk around because <laughs> I felt like I was getting off house arrest. But because uh, no, it's good free. to be back. It's good. It's good to be back. I'm a free man. Um, you know, it, it's tough because you you think we've been kind of in isolation slash quarantine slash working from home since March. Uh, but it doesn't really feel like it's being enforced until you leave the province and then come back and all your friends know you were gone and then call you out on it. Like if they see you driving somewhere, like, where are you going? You're supposed to be at home. So uh, it's good to be free again. But, uh, you know, it's, it's summer's winding down, man. Like I, I slept with the windows open last night and it was cold this morning. So it's about that time to start thinking about hockey and, and we'll touch on kind of when the home opener could be expected. But, uh, what's going on with you? I know uh, it was a busy day. You had some uh, some back to work after some holidays, and the boys had some baseball tonight. Well, you know, last week was one of those. It was like a potential three-day work week. So it's was like, well, I don't know. Had some other stuff going on anyway. Uh, by the way, before I even talk about that, shout out to you last week. It was the first, uh, so out of the 30 episodes, I can no longer say that I've been a part of every episode because I <laughs> uh, had to had, had had to be an old man and then call in with a doctor's note that day. Uh, but uh, kudos because I had a lot of fun listening to your interview with Jeff Odgers. If people have not heard that yet, I encourage you to go back and check it out. But uh, a solo Brandon Crow uh, probably was just even better than, without me because I was just enthralled. I thought it was really good there, bud. But uh, no, I had, had a great week off, uh, even all that aside, back to work today. Um, it was kind of weird, honestly, though, going back to work after a week off when last week that announcement came that we kind of thought for a while was going to happen. I mean, we were all we talked about it on the podcast. We were optimistic that, at best, that the season would start like they planned to in October. And now we know that that's not the case. So when that came down and I wasn't in the office to kind of you know hear it with everybody else officially, I kind of just was like, okay, I put in the back of my mind. I knew that you know going in today, again, things were going to be different because even things we were trying to get ready for now push back a little bit further. So it's just another curveball on the season, but it's not one that was totally unexpected. Yeah, I think uh, it's if you see me, if you're watching this and you see me looking to my right uh, sidebar, uh, my wife has decided to adopt another dog, a uh, big chocolate lab named Hemi, and he's decided he's going to sleep on the floor while I do this, and he is just snoring. Like, oh, look there. at him. See, like, this is going to get viewers. But it's so loud. Like, it sounds like there's a truck driving by. Uh, but to put this into perspective, since quarantine, okay, since the season got canceled on whatever it was, March 13th, uh, my wife has now brought home uh, eight plus seven is 15, 16 animals to this farm. 
So we need to get back to work uh, because I'm running out of room. How many and, chickens are you up to now? Uh, well, eight chickens, okay. seven cows, two dogs, and a cat. <laughs> it is a zoo, man. How does a new like, dog get along with Howie? With, uh, with, with the, the other dogs, dogs get along pretty good. Yeah. They're, they're identical. They're chocolate labs. This one's yeah. just a little older. Um, they follow each other around the farm and, you know, we, we got them here, uh, in an adoption and, you know, we get, hope to give him a, the last handful of years of his doggy life, just living the dream out here on the farm. So, but he's just snoring like, my God, <laughs> stop it. No I, wait. It's not being picked up. And, it, no, and, and then I'm even glad. so people will be totally fine. With, <laughs> I think the, with, I think I can snoring. feel the floor like vibrating underneath me. But anyway, <laughs> uh, getting back to work. Now you touched on it. The announcement com- coming out, uh, last week. Um, it started with some rumors. Now I tweeted it out. Uh, there were some reports being leaked out that the Ontario Hockey League was going to push things to December 4th. Now, for whatever reason, I thought that all three leagues would be in coordination when they sent out these uh, kind of health-related press releases. They weren't. Ontario came out first and pushed it to December 4th. The Western Hockey League followed a couple days later. Uh, the official word, scheduled start Friday, December 4th. Now, that remains up in the air. Um, again, they expect and plan and hope to play 68 games and four rounds of playoffs, even if the season starts December 4th. Uh, now, obviously, lots has to happen between now and then, and we've seen the last couple of weeks, especially in Brandon, the numbers aren't great when it comes to COVID. But December 4th, that's a basically two months after the original start date. They still plan to get a full season in. You've been in the office. I talked to Rich a little bit. Uh, what's the mood like uh, at the rink uh, in regards to the delayed start? I mean, it, it's obviously not any you know news that anybody wanted to to hear. Um, but like I said, it's not like it was unexpected either. I mean, everybody thought it was going to be a little bit later than October. Um, this also changes a few things just in terms of, of course, like how they prepare. I mean, there's already a number of like you know even publicized, but like some private ice times that you know like guys are getting working in different groups uh and this changes the whole timeline as well as what would normally happen at this time of year which is the guys who are either you know on already nhl drafted or get invited to the camps this is about when they start to leave and they're doing all that and then as you know sometimes the players we don't get back until even after our home opener or end of the season depending on the situation uh one example this year would be like luca burzan right he's in the kind of the same spot as like what we were dealing with with the ty lewis last year especially like you know does he does he get sent back do we have another year of junior is he going pro uh there's a number of question marks like that so now this puts that in a question as well because again if the nhl and the ahl if they start as well as they're hoping to be around december then maybe this will line up better with that as well um so october was yeah always kind of more i think of just an ideal dream that it was only two going to be a two-week delay that you know we could somehow get away with that but i mean it like the the writing's been on the wall uh for a while i mean everything's been pushed back pushed back all the medical experts talking about how long this really is going to last and you know how we're going to have to deal with this going forward um so i think everybody was fully expecting it it was just more disappointing like we kind of said right so but yeah again it's one of the weirdest parts to be honest is like in all the in all the years, well, I've been there for a handful of years, really. But in my years with the Wheat Kings, like this is already the longest off season because of just the way it was happening. And then now, like I said, coming back after just like the whatever the ten days or the, the week and a bit off around Canada Day, there. Now it's like, hey, there's still like another three and a half months until yeah. we actually drop the puck uh, in the regular season. So, how many w- animals am I going to have by December? 4th? You you guys are going to have to fill an arc right away. There's going to be a visible arc. 
from Vernon to Brandon. Uh, That's going to be a big crow on the side. We're going to have to label it. But that was the reality kind of going back today. I was like, yeah, like this is now another off season that we were just entered into with that news last week. So, um, again, all the stuff that we're working on is stuff that we can keep that that we can keep working on. Like there is work to be done that, you know, there's always things to be updated as, and as the fans know, and another big thing too, is the fact that last year when we started, fans came in and there was a home opener, brand new jumbotron with the led ring. Everything's HD looks amazing. That thing was installed a week before the home opener last year. So we did not have time to like really do much with it. So right. now at least honestly, like the time that we've spent just mess, a lot of it just messing around, just testing, just getting videos down, like just having some fun with things that we would never have time to do. That's what I've been spending a lot of time doing. Now I just have more time to do that because, you know, talking to sponsors, keeping them updated, talking to season ticket holders, just relaying the message about what's going on. But Besides that, yeah, we're entering another basically off season, so it's going to be a while. But again, yes. it wasn't completely unexpected, right? So, no, and there was some good news today, which was really nice. So, if I had to come back and at least think about that, we got to announce the signing, which I didn't, right. which I didn't even hear about before I left. I was, I didn't get the the, the update where that was, uh, but yeah, so we got to announce the signing today, which is always a lot of fun. And this one is is one that. I think a lot of fans were keeping an eye on because around the Western Hockey League and the CHL in general, the import draft sometimes can be a bit of a mystery. What are you getting? Will they report? Will they sign? You know, and they can be absolute go game changers in terms of Ivan what they Proverov, bring, right? Like Yuri Patera. It's it's amazing. Re- you don't, really, really don't know. Buki was you, one of yeah. my favorite imports in my first couple of years. Like I was just fun to watch. Like the imports were a lot. Back in 2010, Tony yep. Rayala was he. He assisted on arguably the, one of the biggest goals in Weeking franchise history, and we talked to Jay Fair about playing with with that young Finnish import. And uh, so Brandon took they had two potential picks because you can have three euros to start. Now, of course, Marcus Callian Kelly is slated to come back. He is signed with Vegas, uh, and they have moved their farm team to Henderson, which is in Nevada. And they did announce the American League plans to start around the same time. So we'll see what happens there. But they only made one pick. Uh, Darren Ritchie and his staff taking 17-year-old Russian defenseman. First Russian defenseman since Ivan Provorov. His name's Yaroslav. And this is where you and I were discussing beforehand. It's either Busigin or Basigin or Busigin or something along those lines. We haven't had a chance to ask him. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. We should maybe try this out here. Let's try it out. What number? So he's going to be a defenseman. So we got to give him a number. I, it's got to be a low one. It's so be one I know Schneider's two, Lambos is three. We could probably give him number five. Okay, let's go with five. Number five. Okay, so let's try it out here. Weak King goal scored by number five, Yuroslav Bazagin. Do you like that? And then, the, and then the clip of Sheldon Cooper on Big Bang Theory saying Bazinga when he's <laughs> when he's when he scores. I, I don't know if I like Bazagin or Busy Jen. I'm gonna try Busy Jen. Weak King goal scored by number five, Yuroslav Bazajin. Now it doesn't roll quite like uh, the first one. Yeah, did. yeah. Bazajin. I kind of like that hard G. We, well, when he gets here, we'll have to ask him, of course. <laughs> but, yeah. But for now, I think that we should go with Bazajin then. I like it. Uh, one of my buddies and longtime Weak King fan. I mean, this guy, if you cut him open, he's bleeding black and gold. Kirk Fraser. Uh, he worked with Greg Sherris in the production room for a while. He's born. And Brandon loves the Weekings. He texted me today when when the team announced the signing and said, 
good luck with that one, uh, referring to the name and being on radio. And I said, this guy, this Besiegen or Besiegen or Besiegen is like John Smith compared to the guy that the Raiders have drafted and signed. Now, I, I wish that I could show the listeners uh, and the viewers this kid's name because to spell his first name, it's U-L-A-D-Z-I-S-L-A-U uh, is his first name. <laughs> Uh, so his name is like Ulad Zilu. Uh, it's unbelievable. So I feel bad for Trevor Redden, although unfortunately this kid is in the Vikings division. Uh, there's going to be some tough names moving forward. But uh, all joking aside, uh, this uh, this young 17-year-old uh, was 39th pick, uh, played last year uh, in a major junior affiliate of the KHL, uh, five points in 25 games. He's 6'2", 170, and he's a 2003-born uh, and uh, so now he's signed and eligible to play with the club uh, along with Marcus Kelly and Kelly. Uh, so by the looks of it, uh, he's, a, he's a pretty skilled guy. He had 21 points in 24 games at the U-17 level, uh, and then in eight games playing under 18 uh, in a bit of a call-up really at 11 points uh, in eight games. So uh, seems a little offensive, uh, pretty decent size, 6'2", 170, and he's a young guy, so you could get a couple of years out of him. So uh, we'll see. Uh, whether we get a, an Ivan Provorov or, you know, maybe something similar. You hate to already put the comparisons, but when you're Russian and you're a defenseman, hopefully they don't <laughs> put him in jersey number nine. <laughs> yeah. I imagine? feel like that's just setting the bar way too high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I've been told specifically by hockey management, don't say that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't set the bar on Ivan Provorov just because he's a Russian defenseman. But you're right. When you, when, when, when you hear that in the Wee Kings, that's just the, give me the first thought now because of Provy. Uh, speaking of which, have you been really watching? I mean, I haven't really talked to you a whole lot in the last few days here. Have you been like fully engulfed in hockey like I have since all this has come back? You know, I made the tweet, uh, and it actually got a lot of love. I was just being funny. Uh, but I tweeted that. You know, back in, in in March or June or whatever it was, after spending all the time I did outside, I said to I said to somebody, I said, you know what? I haven't watched a whole lot of TV. I haven't watched much Netflix. You know, we, we don't have cable out here. I said, I have hardly turned my TV on during this pandemic. Well, then the NHL started back up. And I have watched pretty much every minute that I could of every game uh, that I haven't had something else to do. I've been absolutely hooked. Teams that I don't normally watch, uh, I've just been hooked. It, it's been fascinating. Uh, and with our guest t- tonight in Lindsay Gullett uh, working for the Oilers Entertainment Group, he kind of gives us an inside look into the bubble from a production standpoint. Um, so I- I've been hooked. I've watched a ton of hockey. I got my hot tub going up here, uh, running now. And, and so I've got the, the laptop set up, streaming games. We'll sit in the hot tub. It's an absolute dream. Uh, not to scar the viewers or the listeners uh, that just had to picture that. Kind of looks like a pierogi floating in a boiling pot of water uh, would be the way I would describe it. But uh, I've been loving the hockey, and it's been awesome to have something on TV. Yeah, it has been a lot of fun. And, I mean, I I've, I've, I think we've had this discussion before. I don't know if it's on the podcast or not, but as you kind of work in hockey and get to know these guys as they kind of move on, especially before working in hockey, like I had like my favorite teams, but now like you learn to cheer for people right and then and the players that, that you want to follow and luckily there's a lot of weak kings that are still kind of throwing throughout a lot of those series that was fun to watch but even ones that you're right had no connection did not care normally would not watch the series didn't matter I, I was just glad that it was back it was just you know and it wasn't like i was sitting here all day watching it back to back but the fact that there was like five six games on and the tv could just kind of be on all day and i could do things and come back and there was still something 
there to just live happening that was you know meaningful as much as it can be these days, right? Like I don't know. I've I've same thing. I, I've been hooked. I'm glad that it's back. And if anything, that kind of got me more excited too, thinking about when we do return and about what that's going to be like. Because especially leagues like ours that are in the smaller communities, it's going to be a part of the healing process. It's going to be a therapeutic thing coming back to the Week King games. Even if if at first, and we know it's not going to be 100% capacity to start, whenever it does happen, hopefully now December, it's not going to be at 100%. It's got to be probably 50 or hopefully higher, and adjustments will be made and they'll be growing. But by the time it starts to get there, Already, it's going to be like this sense of coming home for people, saying hi. Like, can't wait. Yeah, just can't you know, wait for it to be that feeling here again, right? And just kind of holding on to that. One of the perspectives that I, you know, maybe didn't appreciate was how much, especially in small town southwestern Manitoba, how much having hockey on TV and and more so the Winnipeg Jets changes the mood. Now, let me set the table here for you. No pun intended. So prior to me going to Toronto, I mentioned that I'd been working part-time out at the golf course just to kill some time. And, you know, working in the mornings, you get that kind of senior crowd that come in for coffee and breakfast and whatever. And before I went to Toronto, uh, all the talk all morning long was COVID. COVID this, COVID that, doom, gloom, cases, testing, blah, 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 wear a mask. It was starting to get draining. And I noticed it every table. It didn't matter where I went. People reading the paper, scrolling through their phone. Everyone was talking about COVID. Anyway, I go to Toronto. I come back. I go to work today for the first time in two weeks. Hockey's back. Man, the golf course clubhouse today was buzzing. Everyone was talking about hockey. Did you see the Leafs? Did you see the Leafs blow the lead and then come back and lose the series? The lottery's tonight. Vegas, do you see White Cloud scored? Do you look, at the, look, look at this. Look at that. There's highlights on the TV. And the mood was so different. And it's not just a male hockey fan thing. Even the women were talking about it. And they were talking about golf being back and, and tournaments on TV and the Blue Jays again. And it just felt different. And it felt normal. And I think people sometimes forget how important sports can be as a distraction from the negative side. And I, I, I think for me personally, that's been a big mood booster for me, especially today when I really felt it when you know members of the community that I live in just seem to have some more life to them talking about ah the jets blew it and the leafs blew it and it just felt normal again so to get back to weekend hockey and, and have them you know i used to get annoyed when i'd go into tim hortons or i'd go into a and w and and the guys would say what's wrong with the weekend's power player why is dave lowry putting this guy with this guy it used to drive me nuts i am begging people to ask me about the weekends now because it just means that things are getting back to normal i think that we just found the quote of the podcast right there the Leafs blew it and everything felt normal again. I love that. So in the background here, I'm just going to move this a little bit and see if I can do it. Okay, so this photo right here, for people who are watching live on, on, on the YouTube, it is a picture of me and my uh, best friend, Al, who is a diehard Leafs fan. And I turned, uh, as we talked on the podcast before, into a big Ottawa Senator fan after the Winnipeg Jets initially left. So like the late 90s through the early 2000s, we actually flew out to Toronto to go and see that picture right there was taken at the Hall of Fame with the Stanley Cup. Uh, we saw a game out there, went into enemy territory, cheered for the Sens at the ACC. Sens lost, but it was still a great trip. Anyway, anytime that anything with the Leafs happen, it brings us closer. I haven't talked to him in like months. It was months, and I I've just I feel bad. And then this happened, 
and my first text to him after all this time was just busting on the Leafs. And we've been talking over the last couple of days again and making plans for next week. So like, it's just, it's that sense of, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's so good to be back and like what it means and, uh, just that whole sense of normalcy. Right. And that's what we keep talking yeah. about. Just striving to get back to that. Um, so even if it's in a bubble and the NHL has been having some fun with it. So, and you're right. Even if fans can't be in the stands, um, at least literal fans, did you see what the NHL did by the way? They're having great fun with, with, with like oh. all the, with everything they're doing with the zero fans in attendance and the actual fans, like the metal fans in the stands. Um, but, uh, yeah, like what it's doing for the community just to be people talking about it. Like you mentioned out there, same thing. I was out at the campsite this past weekend, uh, out in Surus doing actually, by the way, the Surus campground, it's fantastic this year. People are obeying the rules and like enjoying themselves. It's been really nice. Unfortunately, some stupid theft happened out there. So by the way, I heard that in Crime Stoppers just last weekend. If anybody in the area knows anything about that, make sure that, uh, that, that you report a number of things got stolen. It's such an awesome area. It really made me mad. Anyway, awesome kayaking out there. Uh, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> I started talking about service. But, uh, well, we're sitting around the campfire, and that's all, again, people just, it was COVID talk for a bit, but then it quickly turned into hockey talk and then turned into baseball and other sports. And just, it was that sense of, okay, let's just talk about something positive and everybody have their own opinions and everybody had a great time. So it's getting people back to that mind frame. And we talked about this before, too, on the pod, I think, and it's really important people to remember all the effects that COVID has, not just, as itself, but the mental aspects on everybody else that doesn't or does still get it, this whole living with a cloud over your head is not easy for anybody in a lot of different industries. And it's affecting yeah, everybody sure. differently. Everybody and has different kind of clouds over their heads that, you know, at, at, at varying degrees that you just really don't know. So to get anything, to get their minds off of it myself included like like we've like we've talked about this like this is our livelihood this is what we do right and again here we are entering another three and a half months before we can get back to doing like what we want and love to do like this isn't easy like this is this is mentally tough on on everybody um so just just to get that back just for us to be striving towards that it means a lot and uh and it's been great so yeah with all and that's that why news. I like doing this. I, that's why I like doing this. Um, and, yeah. and today, uh, today it was unfortunate you uh, you got tied up in some meetings and with the busy schedule of our guest and uh, Lindsay Gullet, uh, I had to quickly grab him today. We had a here. You know, you like fishing and I like fishing. Uh, this was my analogy to you when I texted you yesterday. We were talking about our guest this week, and I said I have four podcast fishing lines in the water right now for guests, and none of them are biting right now. And the ones that were biting we're making the plans very difficult <laughs> regarding the schedule. So uh, we do have a couple of guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to have uh, the voice of the Saskatoon Blades, Les Lazarick, joining us next week. Uh, he has a great story about uh, being the voice of the BU Bobcats for CKLQ. I will get him to tell it. If you've never heard it, Falco, no. it is absolutely hilarious uh, what happened. Les was at he, Q? Yeah, Les worked at Q. Uh, for a handful of years before he went to Winnipeg uh, to really start his career. But he was, uh, so I'm not sure who who the Wheat King guy would have been at the time, but Les was the Bobcat play-by-play guy for hockey and basketball and whatever else. And he tells a couple of great stories. So Cliffhanger, he's got a good one. He'll join us next week. And by the way, just for a story, just while we're talking about that, people who just don't know that much about Les Lazarick had never heard of the away broadcast in Saskatoon. He's just (laughs) a great guy. Like, I'm just excited to talk to Les just about a lot of different things, but... 
that that story. But go on, yeah, because all all, uh, all your fishing lines, you've you've set us up now for at least a few episodes. Yeah, uh, Peter Labardius, uh, who we all know uh, loves junior hockey, loves hockey. He uh, works inside the bubble now on the Flames radio broadcast. Uh, because of their media availability today, he couldn't join us. He had like a six-minute window, uh, so we couldn't get him this week, but we're going to get him on in the next couple of weeks. And then some of you uh, may know uh, Julie Stewart-Binks, who started at CTV in Regina, uh, went on to Fox Sports with Jay and Dan, uh, and then uh, ended up back at Barstool, and now uh, is on a separate sports network in New York. She's kind of the first female sportscaster trailblazer that's kind of gone on and done some independent work. She's absolutely hilarious to follow on social media. She loves sports, and she loves junior hockey. Unfortunately, she's a Pats fan, but uh, she has uh, said she'll jump on and join us as well. So uh, the next couple of weeks are really looking good for the Weekly Harvest tonight. Uh, we're going to throw it over in just a couple of minutes uh, to Lindsay Gullett, who, for those of you that don't know, uh, grew up in Wawanisa, played junior for Nipua and Dauphin in the MJHL, and then went down to play some Division Three college hockey, came back to Verdon to help run their business operations early when the Verdon Oil Capitals just got an expansion team uh, into the MJHL. Uh, just two years later, he was hired by the Manitoba Moose, and then just two years after that, he was hired into the Edmonton Oilers organization where he is basically the head of production for all of their videos, sound, music, everything. He is the main big dog in Edmonton, and he has played a major role in what we see on TV every night from Edmonton. So uh, he was kind enough to join us today. We'll chat with him uh, in a little bit. And speaking of guests, some sad news today about one of our guests from earlier on in the podcast. It's the official final day of work for Bob McKenzie at TSN. He's going off into retirement. The Bob what father. What a sad day that is. Done oh. full-time. That man is when when you talk about if you just name like just the the term hockey insider that began with Bob McKenzie right like, he was the hockey insider uh his legacy is indelible there's a Mount Rushmore it's one man and one man only and that's yep. Bob McKenzie so we definitely wish along with everybody else as you've seen on the outpouring across media uh, I mean he was so good to us when he came for the sportsman's dinner like. For him to take his time afterwards and 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 sit down with us and talk for us for that long, and then talk for us even longer after the microphone stopped, like he was a fantastic human being. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, wish wish him nothing but 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 the best spending the time with the lake. So you can go back and listen to that episode uh, with Bob McKenzie if you missed it, or if you're just joining us uh, as new fans of uh, uh, the Weekly Harvest podcast uh, at uh, anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever Q Country. As website as well. Uh, there's a link via the Week Kings page. So uh, you can catch all the episodes, including the one with Bob McKenzie, as we bid him farewell full time. He will be back doing some spot work for TSN, but he's going to coast off to cottage life up in Muskoka and uh, sip some margaritas out of his margarita machine. So uh, we wish him the best. And uh, before we throw it over to Lindsay, uh, we talked about small towns. We talked about the effect of COVID. Now, uh, certainly uh, this last week is, has been tough for everybody in southwest Manitoba. Um, you know, the tornado that touched down uh, just south of my place here uh, was about 10, 10, 9, 10 miles south of, of my place. I wasn't home. Um, I was uh, I was driving um, and wasn't quite close to town uh, when it came through, um, but uh, certainly uh, took uh, took the lives of two young people uh, from down in Melita. Uh, and uh, certainly just uh, the outpouring of support I've seen uh, from from this community and communities in the area and Brandon and, and everywhere else, uh, we certainly uh, know what uh, Westman's all about when it comes to, to stepping up and supporting one another. And 
uh, certainly we, we want to wish everybody involved, uh, you know, our condolences and, and certainly a tip of the cap to, to my guys on the uh, Wallace District Fire Department. I couldn't respond to that call and uh, you guys did a great job. I know that uh, there's there's a number of guys uh, not only here, but everywhere that that put in a ton of work and, and time to, to make sure our community is safe. And uh, those guys really stepped up uh, on the weekend. So uh, certainly a, a tough time. But uh, again, we talked about it. Sports uh, sports can help. And uh, that's what we're here to do every week. So uh, with that, you got anything else, uh, Chris? No, no. I mean, you just mentioned that that that, that tornado, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you did because I had that on our final notes as well. Um, I, and I know that you mentioned, of course, the, the 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 two teens. I mean, your heart breaks for for that story. Oh. Also, just want to say though that you know, sending well wishes to the 54, 55 year old who was also injured and taken by Stars Air Ambulance, yep. and a shout out to Stars Air Ambulance for all the fantastic work that they do in, in situations like that. Um, and also to the storm chasers who made a great post today about the people who were trying to almost vilify them for, you know, posting the big pictures of that, knowing, you know, what it caused and being deadly. And they kind of explained that they're not only there to get those shots, but they're also the ones on the scene that are helping report what's going on to everyone else. And so, I mean, you know, shout out to them and the role that they played after as well in helping get the local fire department to where they needed to be. Um, so, um, no, that whole situation was just unbelievable. Um, you know, normally we go to Oak Lake too, for like quite a few weekends and friends who were on the beach, taking photos of it across the lake. And we were here at home that night. So, uh, no, that was, that was something else. Um, no, I don't think I have anything else, uh, uh, to say. I just wish that I could have been here around here earlier, but like I said, my first day back at work today. So there were some meetings I couldn't quite get out of, uh, for this time frame. but, uh, even me, I haven't had a chance to listen to this, honestly. So I'm excited. I'm just going to push play here and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch it as well. Uh, we're not going to come back on live after. So we'll talk to you again live, uh, next week on episode number 32. Like Crow said, though, you can catch all the previous episodes online at qcountryfm.ca, uh, Big thanks to Q Country FM for hosting it there. Uh, as well as, remember, you can listen to Q Country FM, 91.5 FM, streaming on Alexa, Google Play, uh, Westman TV Channel 600. You can catch them there as well. And, of course, always streaming at QCountryFM.ca. Uh, Crow, have yourself a fantastic week. Enjoy the new Animal Editions. And so, okay, <laughs> yeah. well, you know what? We're going to have to start a new trend here. So we, I'm going to write this down. You're at 16 animals right now? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, 15. 15? Uh, 15. Let's get the count right 16, here. We have eight, 18, 18. 18 animals, animals on this farm. Yeah. as of August the 10th. Okay, so Brandy Crow, if you ever do listen to the full podcast and you get uh, we're about halfway through here, uh, we're going to try to add to that number by next week. So good luck. <laughs> okay, here it is, the, uh, the, the interview from earlier today, Crow and Lindsay Gullett. We'll talk to you guys next week. Cheers. See ya. All right. Episode 31 of the Weekly Harvest, our guest this week, one of the busiest guys uh, in the National Hockey League right now, especially uh, in the Western bubble. Uh, he's a Manitoba guy, former Verdon Oil Capital uh, employee, former Nipah native as a player, uh, Lindsey Gullett. And Lindsey, I know it's your day off today, and so I hate to take time uh, where you could probably be napping, but uh, what's, it, uh, <laughs> what's it been like the last couple weeks for you? Yeah, it's... Uh... It got it was get it got busy really quick there uh, right from when everything started how like kind of came together and Edmonton all of a sudden was the front runner and then all of a sudden it landed right on our laps and it was just go 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 ever since then so um, it's uh, yeah it's a bit drinking from a fire hose some days but uh, um, you know 
credit to the NHL. It's, it's an unbelievable event and for it to be going as smoothly as it is going in such a short amount of time that it really came together and it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. So with your new title being manager of event presentation, not <laughs> only for the Edmonton Oilers, but for the entire entertainment group, you know, prior to COVID, what exactly did your job title mean? What did it all encompass? Yeah, so for uh, a regular Oilers game, um, most of it is uh, we're, we're scripting the game start to finish from the time doors open till it ends. And we're, um, you know, we're communicating with uh, communicating with sponsorship, our, our foundation, um, basically the organization as a whole, make sure that our company messages are being put out there. Um, and then as well as our, our TV timeout promotions, all that stuff, we get scheduled, uh, make sure we're hitting the right sponsorship elements for the game. And then on top of that, um, uh, videos, all of our Oilers, Oilers specific videos. Um, if there's any, uh, player milestones happening that night that we need to recognize, um, you know, just, uh, being on top of our music and, um, coordinating with our crew and our lighting and all that stuff and just having it all come together. So um, a little bit of everything, but together there's a lot of moving parts and um, uh, it kind of all comes together and we do our best to assist the game that unfolds in front of us. So with uh, when, when the NHL was going through the process of determining which host cities they were going to do and trying to determine how this all played out, uh, were you a part of, you know, maybe some of the discussions from the Oilers Entertainment Group into how you and your team were going to be able to make this somewhat normal for the players and for the viewers? Um, it was kind of two parts. Uh, in terms of putting the Hub City bid together, our executive team, I think, did a tremendous job. I think they all came together. Uh, that was kept at a pretty high level, which understandably dealing with the NHL and the city and the province and everything else going on. So, um, so that was kind of left in their hands. When it came to actually the NHL side, um, because the league didn't know where it was going to land, we would have these weekly uh, Zoom calls essentially with everybody from across the league talking about what makes sense for a home team home game, what makes sense for uh, and like what elements should we be including for each team and whatnot. So uh, before even the cities were announced, um, all the teams started collecting their, their videos and their music. So um, for us, it was our, our open video and our period prompt videos and any uh, specific um, hype videos that we might have. We got those all together. Then it's uh, our anthem recording or any special songs that we have, our wind song, goal song, power play song, anything like that. We put it all into a folder and we filled out these one pagers that kind of described every single element. So you know, when we announce a goal, do we have an organ that plays along? Is there sound effects that are included in it? Literally everything. And every single team did that, that was eligible for this qualifiers uh, round. And so all of a sudden I'm putting that together for Edmonton thinking, you know, this will be go off to somewhere else and I'll chip in with my two cents to help them along <laughs> for Edmonton stuff. But then all of a sudden it all came into us. So myself and, and, our, and our representative from the league He's done, uh, we kind of started combing through it and we had some, our, our, some other staff at OEG as well. And we, all the video content, all the music and everything, we've got pages and pages on each team, just of their elements. So, um, yeah, it just kind of, uh, kind of all came together and now we're just trying to do our best to execute every team's home game. Is it weird? I, I gotta ask, I mean, I, I've, 
it's hard to tell because I, I you know, I'm watching on TV and, and mm-hmm. the sound effects, whatever the, the broadcast is portraying, but being in the arena and, and, you know, I've been up and toured around where you sit kind of up in the corner in the press box area. Yeah. There. Is it weird with nobody in the building? Like, are you hearing the, are you guys actually funneling the crowd noise into the building or is that just something we hear at home? Uh, so it's, a, it's a bit of both. So at first in the exhibition games is when they were starting to play with that. At first it was strictly audio that was being pushed to television. So there was right. not in the bowl. And then they trialed it for one of the exhibition games, actually putting the crowd noise in arena and they actually have EA sports there, uh, doing the crowd noise. And, um, to be honest, watching it, it almost brings a little sanity back to you because you're at first when you were watching the game and there was no crowd, you really are hearing every rebound, every stop, every word that is said, really. And uh, you add that crowd noise in. And, and the, the people that are running that, I think, have been really on top of it. There's a hit and it's a ooh. And then there's a chance somewhere on one end and it's like, ah, and it's, it's, I find myself reacting like as I would a fan and I would say that the the sound guys are are, are right on top of that as well. well I, I wasn't sure how that all worked because yeah. I feel like you know we're hearing it at home but are the players hearing it too because it it, it has to be weird for them to to play through that but especially for a guy yeah. like you who your whole job is entertaining the public right I mean your whole job is to make sure that the 15 or 20,000, however many Rogers place sits is entertained and gets, you know, their money's worth when they leave the building. So now that you're not really entertaining fans, what was your guys's kind of goal or, or mantra heading into this? Like who, who are you really doing this for? Are you trying to make the players feel like they're at home or what are you guys aiming to, to accomplish on a game to game basis? Yeah, that's honestly, that's a great, we've had a few situations come up where like, oh yeah, like what we would do in a normal game, this doesn't make sense. Like even how you announce the anthem, it's like, fans, please join us or please stand and welcome. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we don't have to, we're not asking anybody to stand. We're just introducing who the anthem singer is. So little things like that. But um, for one, this is, this is a, it is an NHL event. So it's their league, uh, their league, their, um, their event. And us as OEG members or staff members, we're supporting them. So so re- really, they're taking the lead on this, and so what they're whatever they're trying to accomplish, we're supporting them the best as we can. So their goal for this whole thing was it's a made-for-TV event. So a lot of things that we're doing, like we're still running music during TV timeouts, just for the sake of being background noise and for kind of some audible familiarity potentially for the players, I guess. So it doesn't seem weird that right. all of a sudden there's no music being played, right? Um, but. Uh, our, our league representative, John Baccaro, he is in constant communication with the broadcast truck. And so he's either talking to them, asking them what they're talking about, who they're talking about. And then we're trying to respond to that in bowl, whether that's what visuals we're putting up. So if they come back from break talking about, um, you know, Patrick Kane, we have Patrick Kane visuals ready to go to put onto the board right. so that they come in with their camera kind of come off the boards that are showing a graphic of Patrick Kane and then down into the face-off of him taking the face-off. So it's, it's very much made for TV. Um, we do a lot of, like, we've done a few things, like, during intermission where we'll test a video quick or something like that, whereas normally during intermission we are jam-packed with elements and things right. like that that we're doing. Everything's constantly live. 
we're, we have moments now that we're not live. So if we need to check something quick, we almost can do that, which is, is kind of nice also. Yeah. I, I, I think you guys have done a, you know, a tremendous job considering the, the circumstance. I mean, I, I, I find myself watching far more <laughs> hockey now than I ever have probably because a, you miss it and B there's not a lot else going on in the world, but for you, a guy with uh, you know a young family at home, uh, you are allowed to leave the bubble, right? Now, that brings a lot of questions. People are saying, well, it's a bubble. I thought everybody had to stay in. Can you tell us a little bit about you know, how they keep that bubble so secure when, when guys like you and, and the hotel workers and that are, are allowed to leave at the end of the day? Yeah, so um, without obviously getting too, too, right. too much into it, but um, first of all, I'll say, like, again, for the time frame this came together, I think the NHL and even and and some of our OEG staff that were in charge of the logistics of this, it's just um, it's mind blowing. I think if you, for the general public, if they actually were to see all the the thought process that went into it, so it's it's very impressive. So um, on my end, yes. So I I consider because I'm working from the press box, I'm literally in Rogers Place. I'm essentially working in the bubble, but my path of travel to get to the press box is in a, is a way that people that actually are in the bubble don't travel. In. So we're taking a different elevator or different staircases and things like that to get up to where we work. Whereas like people in other parts of the press box, we don't really cross paths with right. that are in the bubble, like the office officials or some of the broadcast members, they, uh, we don't really cross paths with them. So, um, and even like, so when we walk in in the morning, uh, we have to get tested every single day. So we go down and everyone that's not in the bubble but is working there, they get tested in one spot and then all the players and staff are being tested in the other spot. So even though like there is staff coming and going from, say, the bubble, we really don't have any interaction with them. Right. And, uh, and even our NHL staff, um, they who also who are in the bubble, we only are talking to them on headsets. So it's like, and we can kind of see them from afar and different things, but we don't physically, we aren't physically next to them. So it's, it's actually kind of crazy um, just how much yeah. uh, interaction we have with them, but we don't physically actually aren't around them, I guess you could say. So um, they've thought everything out. It is really impressive. And, and I think, uh, I think the NHL just announced today, again, no positive tests through week two and um it is honestly super impressive just uh, this, given the scale of the event and the amount of teams that are involved and people involved that um, how well it's been put together. Yeah. It's, it's shocking. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, one of, uh, one of our good friends, uh, Brooks Bratton works for Nashville. He was yes. in, inside the bubble and, you know, Brooks was kind of telling us the same story about how uh, amazing it was coordinated, like, like finely tuned, well-oiled machine, uh, behind the scenes that the general public would just be absolutely astonished at, at how well it's being done. Mm-hmm. And certainly uh, compared to other sports, whether it be the NBA or major league baseball, the NHL certainly uh, put the, the, the right foot forward when trying to deal with this, but get sports back. Uh, is it weird to think um, that, you know, where you're at now, the Oilers are now out. Um, yeah. So now you're kind of, you don't really have a dog in the fight. Not like you have, I guess in the situation you probably had to stay relatively neutral, but yeah. the little part of you that was, you know, pulling for the, for the blue and orange. Now you're kind of neutral. What is it weird now that Edmonton's gone and now you're kind of working for every other team? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, the hockey person in me is just kind of, you're so used to just 
being you're rooting for the home team like we only work Oilers home games typically so we're constantly reacting to our own stuff if a goal happens for us we're blowing our own goal horn if we go on the power play we're hyping our crowd up to go into a power play like but now uh now that it's a neutral game like I'm not gonna lie when when Chicago scored late uh in that one game against the Oilers and we had to play Chelsea dagger and give some sort of emphatic hype into their goal announcement. It's like, Oh, okay. That sucked. But that's obviously part of the job. And what we're doing right now is that we're creating this neutral, um, delivery for, you know, as much as it's in Edmonton and Oilers fans are watching Chicago fans are watching too. Right. So, um, we're, we're kind of delivering that, but, uh, yeah, I would say now that they're out, um, I don't know if I've got a, I don't know if I have a favorite necessarily, but, um, um, obviously with Zach white cloud in, in Vegas, you'd like to, and being able to witness his first goal, uh, last week there, it was uh, pretty special. So obviously I'd love to see him and, and Vegas have success as much as they're a bit of a rival and whatnot, but, uh, personal success for him for sure. But whatever, uh, I don't know, however this unfolds is going to unfold, and I think uh, it's going to be some exciting hockey to watch. Well, that kind of brings me to my next point. Uh, Westman and, and Western Manitoba is well represented inside the bubble, both on the ice, <laughs> off the ice. You know, of course, Kelly McCrimmon, uh, general manager with Vegas, and of course, Ryan Craig, the assistant coach, and you go down the list, and you know, Zach Whitecloud and Ryan Reeves and Braden Shen with St. Louis and Michael Furland in Vancouver, and you go up and down, and, and the Wheat King connections, the, the Westman connections, of course, you got Joel Edmondson out in Carolina uh, playing in Toronto's bubble, and then, of course, off-ice, including yourself and even some of the broadcasters, and it, it yeah. seems like everybody has a bit of a connection to Westman. Now, if I dug around this office somewhere, I'm sure I could find a, a Verdon Oil Capitals team picture with you in it, and it wasn't that <laughs> long ago uh, that yeah. you were in a position in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League doing what you're doing now on a significantly smaller scale with a significantly yeah. smaller budget. But looking back at it, it's all happened so quickly. Um, how, how did your time in Verdon and your couple years in the Manitoba Junior League help springboard you kind of to where you got to now? Yeah, so um, taking my wife and I at the time, now wife, uh, when we were living back in the States still and the opportunity came back to move closer to home and have that opportunity to get into sports, um, I think it was just one of those things that were like, it was an opportunity to come in and literally do everything. Uh, working for a junior A team, uh, like Verdon specifically when they, that building was relatively new still and the new franchise and everything. And, um, being able to do social media and sponsorship and the marketing side of it and work directly with the players and the coaches and, and really just, uh, be able to dabble in all aspects of sports and, not knowing it at the time, you really got to understand what parts of it you liked and what maybe you didn't like as much. Um, and I think that's looking back is probably the, is probably the thing I'm probably most grateful for because I think if I would have started at a higher level, I would have been forced into more of a specific role. Like if I would have got in with a, with a larger organization, you would have been said, okay, you're ticketing. Yeah, you only right. do tickets. And I would have been like, oh, I don't know if I like this. This sucks. And then I would have had to maybe, you know, try to go into something else or whatever. But because I was able to dabble in almost all aspects of it right away, I kind of knew what I liked to do. And so when the opportunity came up in Winnipeg and it was specifically game presentation, um, 
it was cool because I, it was definitely like the music and the video and the, the atmosphere for the fans and creating a cool environment or whatever. And, and, and that was something I was like, Hey, I can, this is what I want to wrap my head around. This is what I want to focus on. So getting to that point, then it was like, okay, now I'm not making phone calls for ticketing and I'm not right. doing stuff for sponsorship. They're just providing me information. And I'm including that in the, and then, and then going to Winnipeg and doing that and getting that experience and being in a building that was hosting an NHL team, you got to see it at the NHL level as well with the Jets and, and the job that they do. And then when the opportunity came up in, in Edmonton, um, it just kind of grew a little bit more and the focus got a little stronger uh, in turn, just with the, with the way this building operates out here and how big it is and just the ice projection elements and the um, just just the grandness of this building. Like you've been out here. It's um, when it's full and people are on their feet for an Oilers game. It's, it's a pretty incredible thing. It it really is. I mean, people don't, I don't think people understand the the size of Rogers place. And I know that a lot of the TV viewers are seeing some of the, you know, the drone footage from outside overhead and it it does look like a vast complex, but you know, people always ask me, what's the worst place to call a game from in the Western (laughs) hockey league. And my answer is always Edmonton and they're shocked. And they go, why? It's a brand new facility. I said, yeah, yeah, the food's great and the amenities are great. And it's got the best popcorn in the Western League, but yeah. <laughs> you can't see anything because you're right. so far away from the ice because yeah. the building is so, so big. Uh, yeah. But you guys have such great technology to, to utilize. And certainly, I know if you, if you uh, look back, you guys as a, as a group uh, won a number of awards as well, kind of in a, in a sports, you know, video, media, multimedia type yeah, absolutely. thing, wasn't it? So is that... Yeah, so- Oh yeah. So the idea conference is, uh, I, I, it's an acronym for something. And if I had to say it right now, I'd probably butcher it completely, <laughs> but it's, uh, basically all professional sports teams from, uh, football, NBA, MLB, um, all the big sports, including college, college athletics, uh, NCAA, uh, they submit there's categories. So there's open videos and special ceremony, uh, cer- ceremonies and different things like that. And uh, you submit your your content, and then one of the categories, which is kind of the over umbrella, is just called it's just called best overall uh, video display. And I think it might be changing going this year into something else. But anyways, best overall video display. And what you what each team does is they have five minutes to basically compile snippets of every single thing that they think of that their show has to offer to provide. So it's snippets of our open video to a promo that we do really well to our in-game host and how he's doing something and perhaps how we're executing something in our anthem into something else. And you're trying to just put your best foot forward within this five minute video and all teams do that. And um, I think it was, I guess it's three years ago. Now uh, we won best overall hockey. And then if you win best overall hockey, you go into the category against the winners of MLB, NFL, um, NBA, etc. And we actually won that as well. So that year was pretty spectacular because it was very unsuspected. We had no idea, no, no expectation that was coming. And all of a sudden win this award and we're just like, wow, like maybe we, we need to step back here for a minute and just appreciate a little bit ourselves and what we're doing. The following season we won, uh, which I guess technically was two years ago. Um, we won best overall hockey again for the NHL and then uh, lost out to the Miami Heat for uh, best overall in all sports. And then this year it's kind of been put on hold right. as uh, everything kind of came to a pause. So, um, so yeah, we've, we've been fortunate. We've had a very talented group here 
um, Rich Myers, who was my old boss, who I came here to work for originally. Uh, he's gone here from the organization now, but uh, he assembled a team to come into this Rogers place with and, and uh, we're fortunate to have some very talented people that we can work with and, and uh, put together some pretty impressive pieces and, and use the technology in our building to really uh, give our fans a show. Well, certainly being a, a small town guy, I actually owe <laughs> you a lot because I had quit. I was done in hockey after the Melford <laughs> went, to the, went to the RBC in Portage. I was done. I said, you know what? I've, I've had my fun. I'm going to go get a, a, a normal job, a nine to five, and move back to Manitoba and, you know, live that yeah. small town life. And, and I was working for the city of Melfort, cutting grass, waiting for a job to open up. Yeah. And you reached out to me and said, I'm going to the Moose. Would you be yeah. interested in coming to Verdon? And I said no originally. And Dale Lewis, the president, called me about 14 times. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and yeah. so I did it. And all of a sudden it turned into uh, where I got now. So if it wasn't for you, uh, we would not be having this conversation right now. So. Right? Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's definitely, uh, you know, it's funny how things work, right? So you never know who uh, who you might run into or cross paths with. So And it keep, worked out because uh, you, you hired me to replace you, and then I hired my soon-to-be wife to replace me. Yeah. That's how we met. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it all yeah. it's crazy. Well, there you go. It worked out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I got a couple more uh, for you before we let you go. For sure. uh, we got, uh, of course, the NHL draft lottery coming up tonight. I'm sure yeah. you're going to be watching Jeez. that eagerly. Yeah. Um, but for, for yourself, I mean, being a small town kid, I mean, I know you, you played in Nipwa and you went and had your division three college run. I mean, every kid's dream growing up in Wawanisa or or Brandon is probably to, to be a Brandon Weeking first. And then it's probably to play in the NHL. Now you obviously, you know, didn't get a chance to do either, but now you're in the NHL. What, when you think about it, is it really sometimes humbling to realize, man, I, I'm just a kid from Wawanisa, Manitoba, and here I am on the NHL stage? Yeah, um, it is. I I definitely have to like when you, it's easy to get caught up in in the work part of this, like the work part. Um, obviously, it's a lot of hours. It can be stressful. Um, I'm very fortunate to have the support of my family. My wife specifically is uh, like right now I'm, you know, 12 to 14 hour days. She's basically a single mom. So, uh, having that support at home, she's a complete rock star. So, um, you wouldn't be able to do any of that without the family support. And then, um, so pushing all that aside, I guess, when you do have all those stressful times and stuff and you take a step back and I think I received a text the other day from one of my friends saying, Hey, remember that time when you produced uh, half of the entire Stanley Cup playoffs in 2020 or 2020 <laughs> or something like that? I was like, kind of as a joke. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I couldn't. Yeah, like I think we did the math. And if, if all the games get played out here, it's like 80 some games uh, if they go the distance kind of thing in each series. And um, yeah, it's, it is a little crazy to think about it sometimes. Just. Um, I guess coming from a small town and just jumping at opportunity and just being fortunate to meet the right people and talk to the right people and meet the, and uh, ask questions and whatnot uh, and, and just uh, have a good rapport and build that network. But um, I will say uh, as, as, as much as sports entertainment, as you know, and being in sports and traveling and uh, long days and everything else can be a grind. I always think, growing up on a farm, which I did and thinking about sowing or seeding and, uh, harvest in the fall. And I think about like, if you're, if this was farming, 
your sun up to sundown and later. So I always think of our busy times as harvest. And I always, I always just reference, oh, we got a busy harvest coming up, whether that's around home opener typically or something like that. But you could say that, uh, you could say that the Stanley cup playoffs and qualifiers is going to, is a, is a busy harvest right now. So. <laughs> well, certainly, I mean, if you had your choice, you could be doing what you're doing or you could be back helping your dad, you know, carrying heavy things and pulling wrenches and all sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I think you got it, uh, you got it pretty good. And, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully moving forward, uh, you know, you can continue with the, you know, the next season, whenever that may start and continue to build on uh, everything that you guys have done. Uh, we usually end uh, our interview segments with a little rapid fire, a couple of quick sure. ones uh, just sure. to, to, to lighten it a little bit. Uh, yeah. Going back to your uh, days growing up, minor hockey yeah. around Western Manitoba, what was your favorite rink to play in as a kid oh geez that's a tough one um honestly at that time probably service service was brand new at that time i remember that was kind of a big thing to get to go play on that new in the new rink in the in the bigger ice surface and uh yeah and then of course eventually joining southwest cougars it was kind of all became my home rink so yeah i'll say service best uh, MJHL rink to play in when you had your time in the MJ? The very start of my career, I'll say it was OCN up in the paw, the atmosphere in that building when they were, it was, I, I kind of caught the tail end of their, their peak up there. And it was a pretty neat experience just to play in front of that fan, the fans and they were passionate and loud and everything else. Um, uh, it, that quickly transitioned into Portage, I think just uh, again, like their new rink and, um, I guess I caught the old rink still, but they, it was kind of the beginning of the Blake Spiller era. And he obviously has had a ton of success with that organization. So their fans have been pretty uh, fortunate and uh, also it made for a tough building to play in. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you did have a big hockey highlight at the Keystone. Did you not, did you not play on that Nipah team that played team Belarus one year? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that's right. We played them in an exhibition game there before their uh, world. Was it was the, the under 16s or under 17s, I think, in Manitoba that was being hosted. So, did you win? <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> we, I, uh, I will remember. This is kind of a funny side story. I remember coming in. Uh, we were playing that game, and actually, Kim Davis, who was, I think, is he still the commissioner? I uh, think he maybe he just, just is yeah. on his way out. I remember, he came into the dressing room and gave us a bit of a speech, almost kind of thanking us for uh given the Belarus team a game as they were tuning up for the um for their tournament but it was also a bit of a let's have a clean one because these kids have bigger <laughs> games to play for and uh we know that you guys obviously this is an exhibition game for you well it was i think halfway through the second period one of their guys rolled one of our guys from behind head first into the boards and of course the reaction is just here we go so there was actually a bit of a melee in that one, if I recall. I don't think it got too, too heated, but there was definitely some some punches thrown and uh, and whatnot. So that was kind of funny, actually, how it went from this uh, friendly, you can call it, into a bit of a a bit of a dust up at one point. I think we did win in the end, but I remember there were some very talented kids on that team. <laughs> a couple more in our rapid fire segment with Lindsay yeah. Gullett, the uh, of the Edmonton Oilers. Lindsay, you're a uh, senior ball. You've uh, you've enjoyed a long career with the Wawanisa Brewers before moving yes. on. I think you played a little bit in Alberta when you first got there. Yeah, uh, still best, playing out here. Best diamond in the Southwest Baseball League to play on. Oh, 
I'm biased. We had a we had a great diamond for many years in Wawanisa. Uh, we were very spoiled to have some of the you know the Seafoots, McGregors. Um, my dad was a lot into the Cullens. Like there's a there we had a good baseball culture in that town with a lot of people that took a lot of pride in how that diamond was looked after. And so, um, and I think being able to host provincials a handful of times too spoke to that uh, just for the ball itself. Um, I would say Clarney. Clarney had a had a great diamond as well, and I think it, I haven't been there for a couple of years, but I'm sure it's still in great shape. And I've uh, I was just leaving Verdon when I know they had their diamond getting built there now, and I'm sure uh, they've been able to get a few years under their belt to to bring that diamond along as well. So um, as sad as it is to see the MSBL, uh, this is kind of off tangent, not really rapid fire response, but uh, I love where senior ball is at right now. Is where I'm getting at. I love the amount of teams. I love the amount of quality young ball players that are being able to play. And I think uh, it's exciting to, to see all the teams involved and in, in, uh, the size of the league. Yeah. The, the, the teams too, like, you know, at one point, you know, teams, communities struggled to, to get enough guys together uh, yeah. you know, to play a team and you had teams joining up with other towns. And now uh, it seems like everybody uh, is putting together a team and, and there's, you know, enough guys, like for example, this, you know, Verdon, probably has enough guys from around here to, to field two teams. Uh, yeah. ha- half of Verdon's, you know, guys end up playing in Surus because there's not enough, <laughs> there's not enough spots on the field uh, right. to field enough guys. So yeah. it's certainly, uh, it's certainly growing and it's unfortunate that their season was cut short a little bit, uh, but they are still playing uh, around. Uh, check, uh, check it out. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, there are a few games scheduled for the rest of this week. Uh, in the Southwest Baseball League, including Verdon and Boys Bain Game 2 of their playoff series, I think tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night, if you're listening to this on a different day. But uh, last one for you, Lindsay. Uh, yeah. you've, you've obviously got a busy stretch ahead. Uh, I know a lot of people have asked me, uh, especially <laughs> your old oil caps, uh, you know, billet, you know, friends, family, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. It, are you still... Are you are you still following the Verdon Oil Capitals? Do you pay any attention to the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, or have you moved on to bigger and better things? No, I get I, that a lot. <laughs> I, uh, you know what? People probably are shocked at. Uh, I'll I'll sometimes like shoot people a text even and like and say like, oh, like congrats on the win or something like that, and they be like, what are you doing? Like following us? Like don't you have more things to focus <laughs> on? But like honestly, like that's that was a I think a big part of growing up and anything and I still I still like seeing who's doing well in the MJ or in the ball or um seeing what young guy like you know who are the young athletes from around the area that are that are kind of uh you know the triple a midget the I I still have you know my cougar pride I guess you could say myself I love I love seeing the the success for those guys in that group and um the the O3 group that is uh with some of the Yellow, some of the yellow kids and Southwest kids, uh, we had the privilege to coach in summer hockey a few years ago, and now they're all kind of coming into that uh, late midget, early junior WHL stages. So it's exciting to see how these kids have developed, and I'm excited to hopefully see some of them as they they come through Edmonton. Uh, lastly, growing up in Wawanisa, you had to, you know, you and your your family, your dad. I know your your sister was into hockey as well. You probably yeah. came to a few weekend games. Who was your favorite weekend growing up? to tie it all together? Uh, favorite weekend. Um, you know what? Wade Redden. I remember him being really good. Um, Peter Schaefer was another name that was a big name then. Uh, 
I'll also say Brian Elder just because I remember uh, I remember uh, he's now a Wawanisa resident, so it's a little uh, I can be biased in saying that, but uh, I just remember uh, him and, as a goalie there and uh, and uh, getting it. I was fortunate I got to tour the dressing room once after a game, and I remember meeting him, and he was very uh, very nice to me then. And he probably doesn't even remember that, but uh, it kind of obviously the impact that makes on a young kid. I think it uh, you remember that for a long time so oh, that's uh that's a fantastic way to wrap yeah. up Lindsay. uh best of luck the rest of the way i know you got a, a busy schedule um thanks for taking time to do this i know uh you know getting your story out uh is is awesome Westman. uh people love it it's a it's a feel-good yeah. small town story so uh congrats on all your success and and best of luck moving forward thanks brandon appreciate it that is Lindsey Gullett of the Edmonton Oilers, uh, his official title, uh, Manager Event Presentation at Oilers Entertainment Group. He's uh, one of many uh, behind the scenes inside the bubble in the Western Conference of the NHL playoffs. Episode 31 of the Weekly Harvest, available wherever you get your podcasts. Perfect. Good stuff, Brad. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.